Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast of board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. Hey, yeah, this is Anthony. And, my friends, I'm so glad to tell you that, in fact, this is 347 episodes of Board Gamers Anonymous. We'd like to thank all of our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. All right, back. Everything is coming up. We've gone through Origins. We've gone through Gen Con. And now, finally, we are at the German granddaddy of them all. We're talking about Essenspiel 2021, The Hotness. Yeah, yeah. We we can't do the normal hotness, and we can't anyways, because <laughs> the Board Game Geek hotness right now is just Essen. So we might as well do this. But no, it's, it's exciting, because Gen Con, you know, half as many people, not really any games, nobody showed up. Origins, even less people, no games, nobody showed up. Um, for obvious reasons, and respect that, and hopefully everybody's safe and healthy out there. But Essen... Probably also half as many people and definitely going to be light on stuff. But they got the games. They're bringing the games. So got a a whole bunch of stuff from the Board Game Geek preview list. Thank you to Board Game Geek because you always put these lists together and we get to borrow them, steal them. Uh, (laughs) Of of the hottest games that people are looking forward to at Essen. So we're not going to be there. And we probably won't get a chance to play a lot of these for a little while yet. But we can talk about how awesome they look. And if you do have a chance to get out there, you can check them out yourself as well. Absolutely. So each year, it's typically Origins in like, I think, what is it, May, June? And then June, yes. Yeah. And then right afterwards, like er, like the first week of August is Gen Con. And then finally, we wrap around to, I guess, pretty much this time of year, October, where mm-hmm. Essen kind of comes out. And Essen really is still the big convention. Obviously, we're talking mostly about German board games and European board games and Euro games and stuff like that. So it's not terribly surprising that um, Essenspiel is always the biggest, most interesting convention of all time. And in fact, it's one of those kind of challenging conventions because there's so many great games that come out that oftentimes they don't make it to the U.S. or really many other countries around the world. So it's going to be a really interesting list to go through because if you do hear about a game that you might like, it might be worth your time, money, and energy and effort to see if you can get your hands on that game or get that game delivered to you. Because especially now with shipping being an issue, uh, materials being an issue, and obviously conventions and COVID and everything else, you might actually want to go through the expense, time, and labor to do so. Because I don't know. I don't know if we're going to see these games over in our local game store anytime soon. So this is going to be a particularly interesting list. And again, I think this is going to be the hotness of the year, more than the other two conventions, and even, I think, in fact, more than PAX Unplugged, because I think we're looking at some really cool games that haven't hit the market yet. So that will be our feature review. So stick with us as we talk about those hot games. But Anthony, obviously, there's so much more to talk about in board gaming these days, and obviously getting games to the table are always a challenge. So speaking of which, let's talk about our question of the week. Question of the week this week. Uh, those of us who are starting to travel again, it's, you know, for some of us, you and I, it's still a ways off, but yep. we're, we're getting there. You know, the tickets went up today <laughs> for PAX Unplugged and fingers crossed, knocking on wood that that may actually happen for us in Absolutely. December if, 
if, if the kids can be safe and vaccinated by then. So what are your go-to travel games? I ask people for flying, trains, hotel rooms, etc. Now that a lot of us are starting to think about this stuff again, you know, somehow coming out of the, the woodwork. So yeah. uh, a lot of people mention that they just kind of stick with digital in this case. So like Tim mentions Onitama and Dead Man's Draw on his phone. Um, AC mentions passing uh, the phone back and forth, playing Catan or Star Realms. I mean, a phone or an iPad, especially now, there's hundreds of games on there. So it, oh, yeah. it definitely works if you don't want to actually carry board games with you. Uh, but other stuff people mention, some actual games. Uh, AC mentions roll and rights. So lanterns, dice, and silver and gold for them. Uh, button sure. shy stuff. Several people mentioned those. Brian oh, mentioned yeah. Sprawlopolis and Tussie Mussy. Both very good. Um, Matilda mentioned Love Letter, which is kind of going oh, yeah. way back, you know. <laughs> old school. I, I know. We say old school. It was like I know. When we, <laughs> when we started podcasting, but that was a while ago. So. It's true. Uh, uh, Tim mentions Best Treehouse Ever, Jaipur, Valley of the Kings, Palm Island for solo play, uh, mm-hmm. Zularetto the Dice Game. I don't think I played that one. Uh, and then Roll Through the Ages, which... That's fantastic. It's Great a little game. bit bigger, but definitely worth it. Yeah. Because you can play that anywhere in the bar, on the That's ground, true. outside, in the rain, doesn't matter. So, um, and then Michael mentioned Orchard, uh, Celtus Das Kartenspell, and then Cribbage, which is Ooh. kind of the same as through the Roll Through the Ages. You get the big wooden board and some pegs. You just need the cards, right? Jeez. Um, <laughs> <laughs> why not? Uh, so, yeah, I think. It's funny, like you think like, oh, small box games, which is true, but there's a lot of different variants in what that looks like. So uh, like when I travel, I typically bring with me two or three of the button shy games just to have. And then I'll find like a medium box solo game somewhere in my collection Mm. and just like bring the one. Um, Sure. And I typically don't bring stuff to play with other people because I figure if I'm going to a place where I'm going to play games with other people, I'll either bring a big board game or we'll be at a place that there are board games to play yeah. <laughs> like a convention or someone's house. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, again, you know, bringing games with you, especially in those travel kind of situations really determines how many people you're actually going to get to the table. And I honestly, I'd rather lug a medium sized board game than a couple of small ones. I think mm-hmm. the one that I remember you and I playing as we waited on a line for Gen Con forever was jump drive which is a little small card game, but you could play that. I think right with multiple people, it's not just a two player game. Yeah. And that's pretty fun. That's pretty fun. That's, that's a good game to get to table. No thanks. is pretty simple, small, tiny box, like literally a small box that fits the whole game. Not one of those small boxes that somehow there's less components in it than you think. So that, that's always (laughs) one of the things, uh, for sale for sale is a great game. Yeah. Yeah. That's a game where you don't really have to overteach. I think if you have to have those games in travel and you're running up up on somebody, you don't want to be like, hey, you want to play a quick game? They're like, sure. Let's spend 20 minutes trying to figure this out. (laughs) And I guess the other thing, too, is probably a lot of those trick-taking games, I guess the new ones, Anthony, that you like a lot more, like The Fox in the Forest or Skull King, where it's just a hand of cards. Like, it's not taking up table space necessarily. You're just throwing down to one pile. I think that's those are always really good. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Car, deck of uh, cards works. 
hundred percent. Yeah. I'll, I'll always remember you and me and Daniel playing Friday the 13th on like the banister outside of his apartment when he got locked out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like, it, <laughs> you, as long as you have somewhere to throw the cards down, you're good to go. <laughs> so. It's true. Yeah. Good times. Good times. So yeah, there, there are a lot of great games out there for traveling. And obviously you want to make sure that everything's packed properly for transportation. So I think that's probably another thing we have to think about too, is, what games do travel well? Like you said, the button shy games are kind of built for that. The uh, mint tin games are kind of built for that. Uh, the little, I don't know what they, what they're called, Anthony, the one with the three letters for their names. And they're like a stick of gum, like uh, a package of gum kind of games. Uh, I've never those, played them, but I do know what you're talking about. Yeah. Those games are like made just to stick literally in your pocket and go, but mm-hmm. yeah, love letters, love letters, a great thing for a player game that you could pop that out and they're relatively inexpensive, especially if, if a game's going to be in harm's way. I think that's always a good, a good choice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that is our question of the week. So again, if you'd like to join us on the question of the week, please keep up with us on Facebook and Twitter. Question of the week goes up each and every week. We'd love to hear from you. And if your stuff gets up there, it gets on our episode. So uh, follow us on all of the social medias because somewhere, somehow, we're on all the social medias out there. <laughs> like, subscribe, you know, crunch, mash, the subscribe button, all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, you know, all, everything that's legally you're allowed to do on social media. All right, Anthony. So that's everything that's happening with our listeners let's skip ahead of over our acquisition disorder because honestly Eschenspiel is going to be our spiel about everything yeah. that we want from Essen. So <laughs> Pretty much. we will jump, we will jump over that and let's actually talk about the games that did hit the table and we'll let everyone know if those games are a buy and they should run out and pick those games up. If those games are a play and they should sit down and play them. If those games are a dodge and they should avoid them or if those games are a dreaded burn and once you play them, you should leave them at the hotel room because, honestly, they were not worth the time to drag them around. So what do you have up for us this week? All right. So I got a game in that I I pre-ordered at some point. I don't remember when they put this up uh, because I like the show and my daughter actually got into the show around the time they put it up for pre-order. And that's Dragon Prince Battle Charged. So this is a game based on the Netflix uh, cartoon series, The Dragon Prince. Uh, from publisher Brotherwise Games. So they did mm-hmm. Boss Monster and Overboss and um, Unearth. I think of the three games I'm thinking of mm-hmm. from them. And it is a card-based tactical skirmish game. And I feel like all those words together might even be a little bit more than it actually is. It's a fairly light game. Um, and essentially what you have is you have eight different miniatures representing eight of the main characters from the show. Um, They're all heroes, but you're all going to fight each other. And some of them aren't really good guys. So I don't, I don't really know how how it all games out in terms of like knowing the show. And I'm like, these aren't all heroes, but whatever. It's not really a point. Um, (laughs) They have eight different characters and they each have uh, asymmetrical powers that you start with um, as well as their own deck of cards. So each of them comes with a deck of, I think 16 cards that you can play with. And the game plays two to six, but it's really one-on-one teams. Mm-hmm. Like there's be a blue team or a red team and a purple team. So um, depending on how many players play, you will either control one or two of the heroes. Uh, <laughs> and, and then there is the variant to play five or six players where you can play up to three heroes. 
So there's six maps in the in the box. You can pick whichever one you want and kind of mess with the, the layout. You're going to put your miniatures out. You're going to shuffle up your deck. And then on your turn, you're going to have a hand of four to seven cards based on how many miniatures you have. If you have more than one hero that you're managing, you have cards from both of their decks in your hand. You'll do like a smash up, shuffle them together, and draw more cards than you would normally. If you just have one hero, you just draw four cards from that hero's deck and you play with that. So there are some cards that require energy. Um, You'll start with a certain amount of energy on a die. And every character will charge that energy in a different way. So some of them will be like, Every time you play a technique, charge one. Every time someone attacks you, charge another one or whatever it might be. Like it's usually thematic to the character. And then some of the cards will cost that energy. So you're, there's a resource required to play some of the cards in your deck. But the resource doesn't come back to you at a normal pace. It's going to be based on the situation of the game, which is kind of cool because you can kind of manipulate and maneuver things. You know, like this character, like one of the characters charges two energy every round if they don't fight. So you want to keep them back in kind of a support role, build up their energy, and then come in and fight when they have a bunch of it to work with. Um, so that's kind of a cool mechanic. You also have a set amount of health. The goal of the game is to win a certain amount of these little coins that represent victories over individual characters. So you just need to knock other people out a certain number of times. When you get knocked out, you stand right back up the next round, but you lost one of your lives. The other team is one life closer to victory uh so the game actually flows pr- pretty quickly as a result you know i think the box says 45 to 60 minutes but board game geeks is 15 to 30 and that seems right like i played <laughs> with uh, my daughter who's six and my wife because there is a fair amount of reading in here so it's a little bit yeah. too much for her uh, at six years old she could get through the cards but the game would take two hours you know because yeah. it's, it's it'd be too much to ask for it wouldn't be fair so um, my wife played on her team and it, I think we played in 45 minutes and that was with a six year old. So definitely not super, super duper long. Um, it's quick. It, again, it's, it's accessible. The combat is fairly straightforward. Uh, it uses basic like miniatures on a grid based system, line of sight systems, which is funny. Cause to me, I'm like, mm-hmm. that's just how miniature games are. And I had to explain line of sight to my wife and my daughter because they've never done it before. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to shoot you. I'm like, there's a wall in the way. They're like, what wall? I'm like, the, the red line. You can't go through That's the right. Red. You, you got to go around it. They're like, what about now? And they're like, no, because you can't draw a line between the... Okay, hold on. I'm going to get a ruler. <laughs> um, so that was fun. So we can upgrade now. We can play Arcadia Quest next. But There you go. I nice. Think, yeah. So I, I, honestly, I think if you like Dragon Prince... It's fairly thematic. Like the characters are thematic to the individual, the the you know what their powers are and what their abilities are in the show. Um, the mechanics are not like they're not reinventing, you know, this this type of game. But I like the card based system. There's no dice, so it's all deterministic. Well, not deterministic, but obviously there's randomness in the cards you draw. But there's no dice, so there's no randomness in within combat. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a counter and parry system with the cards as well. So you never know if you're actually going to win based on what you play. It's good. I think it's for what it is a 30 to $40 IP based game. That'll probably end up at target and Walmart soon enough. <laughs> um, the miniatures are decent quality. The cards are decent quality. The game plays smoothly and quickly. And my daughter was very, very happy. 
So, and as someone who likes the show, I was pleasantly surprised. So it's it's a good play. It and if I think if you have kids, especially like eight, nine, ten years old, who like this show, yeah, you probably they'll be all in on it because it's it does a good job with all of that. So yeah, check it out. Dragon Prince Battle Charged uh, from Brotherwise Games. I think right now the only way to get it is through their website, but I'm sure it'll be elsewhere very soon. Very cool. You know, I mean, I love any game that is a step towards Arcadia Quest. In fact, you mentioned like so much text. I mean, Arcadia Quest doesn't have a lot of text, so this might fit really well. But it's also great when they take an IP and they actually do a good game. Right, because yeah. I think there was such a long time where our childhood was like mashed <laughs> and like <laughs> sold off in like the worst ways possible, and now you're actually you know having like kids you know shows come out with like IP products, and they're actually good games. And you're like, okay, I'm kind of happy about this, but I have like all of that childhood trauma. <laughs> I know <laughs> of like all of those early Nintendo games that was like. You know, like the one cutscene that they made it look like that was the actual gameplay, but it was never the gameplay. And uh, yeah, here we yeah, yeah. here we go. So yeah, no, and it's cool too because I feel like we're getting a lot of games like this, and they're like, "There's miniatures, and it's based on an IP." Oh my gosh! And then it's on Kickstarter for eight hundred dollars. <throat> right? We talked about this last week. It's destroying us. Stop it! Uh, so please, dear God, stop it uh yeah it's that, cool that, that's... so like when a small company like this picks up an ip and they're like 40 bucks comes with eight miniatures they're not terrible the game's fine yeah it's great um i i do like this i i you know obviously this is not the big sweeping massive game that some people might want but it's a kid's show and i think it does a good job for what it's asking agreed all right so i want to talk about a game that you know Talk about games from, like, our childhood. I mean, this is not a childhood game. This is a game probably from, I don't know, It's it seems kind of like forever. But seven or eight years ago, one of my favorite games that was out there, and one of the games that was often in my top 100, it kind of, like, it bounced it in and out around, you know, 95 to 100, was a game that came out in 2005 called Shadowhunters. Now, if you've listened to the podcast for any length, you know that I am not the biggest fan of social deduction games. It's just, there's just not enough in the game for me to really, you know, I don't know, sink my teeth in for, you know, pun intended, I guess. So when Fangs came out and I was like, huh, Shadowhunters I haven't seen since, you know, 2005. It's been out of print. It was a great game because... It was social deduction, but you had specific roles. It wasn't just good guys versus bad guys. It was, you know, the demon hunters versus the demons. And you also had humans, or I think I think in the Shadow Hunters version, it was unique. So you had these unique characters that did different things and had different ways to win the game. Because typically, bad guys, good guys, that didn't really matter. One side tried to beat the other side. And then there was this kind of random combination of odd characters that won through their own means. And again, that really made the game, the odd characters and some of the interactions. Because sometimes since you didn't know who was on your team, you would often attack your own team members, which was kind of funny because you were like, why are you shooting me? Like, I didn't know you were on my team. So um, 
it was really funny. I, I think it reminds me of, you know, a study of a study in Emerald. I think the, uh, mm. the Cthulhu game where you're not sure if you're a loyalist or such. So this game has been out of print for a while, Shadow Hunters, and it's a game that I always really liked, but it's been unavailable. The prices have been cartoonishly high. It had good artwork. It had some problematic text. I mean, it was a translation. But Fangs came out, and uh, we're lucky enough that Cosmos sent us a copy of Fangs. And instead of the giant kind of large box with the large board and everything here, we got Fangs. And it's about a $14, $15 game. It's much smaller. It's almost entirely cards. There's a couple of game pieces. There's two pieces of boards that come together and two dice. But it plays almost identically to Shadowhunters with some upchange on some of the characters, some changes in the rules, a you know, a little modification here and there in the locations. Now, what's really interesting about Fangs, and I should say the whole title because otherwise you may not find it, which is Fangs, Werewolves versus Vampires versus Humans. <sighs> why? I don't yeah. know why. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why this title. I don't know why you needed to explain that all out. <laughs> it doesn't make any like Shadow Hunters. That seems pretty cool, but yeah, werewolves versus vampires versus humans, and then you also throw in fangs. I don't know. And then I don't know if you're watching this on YouTube. And again, you have YouTube. Please follow us on YouTube because we we definitely need to get the subscribes up there because. We're putting this out there for you, and this is honestly the only place you're going to be able to see this box cover here, and Fangs is very much what you think Fangs would be, which is kind of like some really kind of thrown-together art pieces of, like, legally distinct, I don't know, like, it's from a bunch of different shows. It's definitely Twilight characters, and it's also True Blood characters, and then it's just, like... I guess, like, really cheesy romance novel vampire werewolf characters. So it's just so weird and odd. And I really missed the Shadow Hunter artwork, which was really cool and really dynamic. This is kind of confusing. But again, this is a game that's all about trying to figure out who's on your team. And if you're a human, you're typically on your own team trying to find your own wing condition. But the game itself, again, you know, social deduction, but again, you don't know who's on your team. Every person in the game has their own specialized uh, power ability. So there are the humans. So you have, uh, let me just pull out some ones. Oh, maybe you've ever heard of Bella, the human who's in a vampire game. I don't know how that happened. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Such a subtle reference. I know. <laughs> But each of the characters, and, and there's a whole bunch of human characters, so I really like the fact that they put all a lot of characters in here. I think the original game had like a good set of characters, but the expansion really kind of opened it up. Here you do have a really a lot of different characters. Each of the characters has a different hit point uh, limit, so their health is kind of different depending on which character. And they each also have a special ability. So here are the werewolves here. And again, it's it's just kind of funny. I mean, some of this... Maybe it's so bad it's good kind of thing. It's almost there that I would recommend it just so bad it's so good. But you got your werewolves, and of course you got your vampires, and they're all kind of, you know, Twilight-esque. 
Uh, or again, legally distinct Twilight-esque. I don't want to get Cosmo in trouble with that. But you get your character, and then there's these location cards. So so basically what you do on the, on the game board is you set up these different locations, you roll the dice, you land on location, you do the thing on the location, which typically is getting you cards. Not always, but typically gets you cards. One of the really cool cards is like these oracle cards, where it allows you to give one of these cards, these green cards, out to other players, and it gives you a clue if that player is a werewolf or a human or a vampire because it might do damage to them or basically they have to respond honestly to it. So here comes some of the social deduction like right off the bat. Then there's equipment. There's good equipment that's going to give you healing effects and protection abilities. And then there's really like straight up kind of attacking equipment or stuff that will also damage you. It's not as dynamic and as explosive as the original Shadowhunters game. But Fangs, I'm not going to say the whole title, but Fangs actually does a really good job of straightening out the text about balancing some of the players out there. And again, it's primarily the same game, other than a few artistic touches, a few cards that come into play here. It's primarily the same game for like a quarter of the price that you could get Shadowhunters for. And because of that, and because the gameplay for a non-social deduction gamer has so much game to it, honestly, I'm going to give this game a buy. And I and I and it's really hard to say that because the artwork really just I just can't look directly at the artwork. <laughs> but if you don't look directly at the artwork, or if you really have fun with the artwork, if you really turn it into like such a B movie kind of thing, this game. For this price, considering the other games out of print and clearly not coming back, is well worth your money, well worth your times. Fangs, werewolves versus vampires versus humans gets a buy. And I I'm love Shadowhunters. You are. <laughs> I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> when, when it came in, and you were like, the only thing you said to me like when we talked about this last week, when because when it showed up in the mail, you're like, oh, this artwork, this artwork, this artwork, and I was like, yeah, it's terrible. That's all so I got. I, I don't. I don't know. So, <laughs> so I thought that's. I thought that's the road we were going down. But the gameplay wins because the gameplay in this is very good. If they didn't change that, it's. Yeah, I could see it's, it's definitely a buy. The gameplay wins, but honestly, what moves it to a buy is the price. Mm. Because otherwise, I would say just look away, play the game, and just take it as a play. Don't buy it, but take it as a play. But the price point is so reasonable for like fifteen bucks. You right. get a really good social deduction game, and it really does play just like Shadowhunters. It's just the component, the artwork is not as good, but the price is so great. So for that, yeah, it fits well. And again, pick it up now. It's really good for Halloween. I think this is a good game that a lot of people will enjoy. That again, have fun with the artwork. It's so bad, it's good kind of situation. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's get on to our feature review. So our feature review this week is obviously one of our favorite conventions, Eschenspiel 2021, but we are taking the hottest games that are happening, we're throwing them over to Anthony, he's putting that through his magical calculations to figure out which of all of the hotness is the hottest of the hotness, and then bringing it to you so that you can pick out those great games and maybe actually get them to the table before the end of the year. So, Anthony, Eschenspiel, 2021, what's the hotness, my friend? 
All right. Yeah. So using the very scientific calculations that I've definitely done in my own head, not using Board Game Geeks filter at all, we're going to look at the hottest games people are looking forward to at Essen. Uh, these are also very much overlapping with the hotness on Board Game Geek as a whole right now. So that's, again, we're kind of merging the two, hence the hotness mm-hmm. of the episode. Uh, first one on the list is ahead by a decent length. So if you if you look at the hotness, and it, maybe it'll change at some point, but right now it's number one, is Bitoku. This is a new mm. game from Devere, and it looks beautiful. If you haven't had a chance to look at it yet, it looks a little busy, but it looks beautiful. <laughs> So, um, you want to say that again? It's a little busy, <laughs> yeah. but the uh, the thing that caught my attention is David Turchie's doing the solo mode because that's just what he does, right? That's his thing. Mm-hmm. But his elevator pitch for the game is it's a heavy Euro version of Arnak, but your workers are dice and you never roll them. So, worker dice placed worker placement and kind of a, a spin on the Arnak formula. I don't know what that looks like in the end, but apparently it's spirits in a forest. So yeah, that that's the one everybody's looking for right now. It's number one on the hotness. I, I mean, I love the idea of this, but it is certainly one of those games where you need to wear sunglasses because it has almost like that strobe feature where it's so <laughs> bright and so colorful that you look at the game board and you look at the dice, and you're like, oh no. And yeah, and it's and it's kind of kind of a little bit of like a spirited away uh Princess Princess Mononoke kind of knockoff, but I'm I'm not hating that either. I hate to say it, no, but I'm no, not no. hating that either. <laughs> and I think this is this is a departure for uh Devere. I haven't seen anything this colorful, this dynamic before from their catalog. Yeah, they're pretty diverse, but I feel like they tend to lean more on the historical side with their theme. Definitely. So this yeah. is so very really fantastical. It's awesome. Yeah. 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 Me too. So, and it, it's, you know, for all of our American listeners, which is most of you, uh, we don't know when it's coming here either. So don't we ask. We have no idea. <laughs> don't know. Supposedly October, but that's laughable. So we'll just, we'll yeah, just it's not happening. Ah. <laughs> uh, all right. Next up, uh, this one should be high on your list. Chris Messina, 1347 from delicious games, a new game from Vladimir Succi with, co-designer Raul Fernandez Aparicio. There, like, honestly, I was like a little kid in a candy store when I heard that he was coming out with a new game. I love Vladimir Succi. He's my favorite designer, and I have a lot of favorite designer, but he's my favorite of favorites. The one thing here is that just, I like, you know, I feel like a cartoon character, like the bottom just dropped out of me. This is all about the Black Death. This is about yep. the plague, the epidemic that, you know, ravaged Europe and, you know, especially Italy, you know, and I just was like, damn it. I, I just can't. <laughs> um, I yeah. I want to. I, I like the look of this game, you know, as far as the way it's laid out on the board, the graphic design and such. But I just can't. I can't play this now. It's just too, I, and I know it sounds a little weird, but honestly, it's just too soon. I can't. Yeah. I, I can't play a game about, a, a, you know, pretty much a global pandemic. I just, yeah. man, I love you, it but is, I can't, I can't, no, I can't. <laughs> it's, it's funny because when they first posted this, there was nothing about the theming. So you're looking at the pictures, you're like, oh, it's, it's pretty, it's got these big, huge boards. It looks interesting. <clears throat> and, and at a certain point, I'm like, is it possible he just started designing this? Is this like a therapy game or is it just a coincidence? Did he retheme it? 
like where did this come from and why would they release it now? I don't know. It's but... so look, I I appreciate Vladimir Suchi again, like I said so much in Delicious Games, because I, I love, you know, underwater cities to the ends of the earth. That was like my number one game of the year. I don't know if this is just tone deaf. Or like you said, that this was so far in production and so thematic that they couldn't they couldn't switch the theme here. And I don't know. I just I I can't I can't understand why you'd bring this out now. I just don't. I'm sorry. Like if yeah. this doesn't bother you, more power to you. Vladimir Suchi's a genius, but I just yeah, it just seems so weird that they did this. I know. I mean, some people go the opposite direction. Like I'm 100 percent with you. I don't want to play anything to do with the pandemic right now, but. Uh, some people go the opposite direction, like pandemic, the board game had record sales all through the pandemic. People process things in different ways. So, I yeah, know. No, I, like I said, more power to you if you're able to do that. I think, you know, sometimes words show up because of situations and people are like, oh, that's a game. I'm like, yeah, it's a game. Uh, <laughs> so it's a game. So, well, yeah, it's a game. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, next one up on the list, uh, Next handful here, actually, we've already talked about a little bit. Um, Lost Ruins of Arnak Expedition Leaders. So I'm very jealous this is coming out in Europe before it's coming out here because I want this game right now. And it comes out like the day you're listening to this podcast. It's out, available, and I don't have it, and I want it. (laughs) So (laughs) someone get it. Bring it here. Um, (laughs) It's asymmetrical powers, new cards, new challenges for Arnak. one of my games of the year last year. So mm-hmm. yes, really, really want this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, another it's one. Not, oh, sorry. Not a big, no, no, I, I got to jump in here, Anthony, because I, I, I do love this game too. And again, it's one of those situations where it's one of the, our, I think one of our episodes, we jumped back, we talked about all the different types of board game expansions. I think that's episode 333. And again, because asymmetrical powers on top of a regular fun, great game, is amazing. <laughs> it's just like, you know that game you love? Well, you get a special power that does a thing. And I'm like, down for that. So, yeah, I love this. <laughs> and the artwork looks fantastic. Again, they, they continue to do a great job with this game here. And I'm really looking forward to the leaders here. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it's probably my most anticipated from this list. And it's Exciting. just like a little $30 expansion. Like, I know. Why? Love it. Uh, next up, probably number two on my most anticipated is Golem. From yes. uh, Cranio Creations with Rossini, Gili, and Luciani. This wow. game officially releases, I think, at the end of the year, but they will have copies at Essen. So Ooh. there will be a few hundred people who have this before the rest of us, and I'm very jealous of all of you. Uh, and it, I still can't quite wrap my head around what this game is supposed to be doing, but it looks like it's taking some of the ideas from Lorenzo and some of the ideas from Grand Austria and some of the ideas from the Lorenzo card game, blendering it up and... Here we go. <laughs> like, can I can I can I stop the podcast for one second? Just run through this a little bit. So, by paying mana, you can activate your golem placed in the city of Prague, and then you one of the other actions is obtain clay to create new golems and upgrade the developments on your personal board, and then you're able to move and attack and influence other characters. I just like. When we, I remember like seeing the box cover for this, and I'm like, "This is amazing! Like, this is mm. an abyss level type of box cover. This is an iconic box cover. Like, we're gonna look back at board games, and this is just gonna own its own area. 
And then just seeing some pictures of the gameplay, you're like, they really did this. They really went all out here. This is a, it seems like you said, Anthony, they took all of their best or at least a lot of their best kind of different mechanics that they've used before in other games and they put it all in one spot. And it's really amazing. The artwork is weird and twisted and amazing. (laughs) And I'm like really excited about it. I'm like, and there's marbles and golems and (laughs) yeah, why not? Everything, do it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it looks great. looks great. Yes. Yeah. I'm super excited for this. Yeah. Like I said, it's probably number two for me. Uh, And it would be closer. I think if I didn't think that I probably wouldn't be able to get my hands on this until like March of next year, most likely. Dude, that's not a problem. Just get your golem to pick it up. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) I don't even know who's distributing this here. Is it Simon again? Is it Asthma Day? Nobody tells you. Oh, I don't know. No one's <laughs> somebody. Call it'll me. Get, it'll get... Call you. Yeah, Plato. Yeah, Plato's yeah. distributing this. Plato. Oh, that's, that's what I'm nice. going with. I'm on mm-hmm. it. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Let's call Mattel. Um, all right. Next on the list, we've got Boone Lake, new game from Alexander Fister. Uh, this was up for pre-order from Capstone here in the U.S. back in the summer. So I believe it's coming this fall. And it is another Fister's been on a roll lately making games with themes that are not problematic. So good on you, man. That's great. Um, this is about a group of pioneers leaving civilization behind and settling on Boone Lake. And you kind of move around the lake and take various actions. Got some Maracaibo vibes for sure. Uh, and doing what Fister does best, re-implementing some of the basics of his other games. <laughs> but again, not as problematic in doing so. So thumbs up there <laughs> thanks for not being problematic we appreciate it we like your games and i actually want to play them thank you Jeez. yeah you're not kidding um, brother. yep all right next up we got luna capital also from yeah. Devere games yeah Devere's okay. thinking, yeah love it <laughs> I, yeah this game is a card drafting and tile placement game about building the luna capital so you got cool little mm-hmm. you know cartoonish uh artwork of i guess like 50s style like space tourism type of stuff um Mm -hmm. it looks super cute i don't know a ton about it but it does look cute and i would like to play it (laughs) yeah i agree 100 percent on this this definitely has one of those kind of you know it's not terraforming mars it's definitely like hey let's have a good time out there and have fun with all this and like you said the artwork here is just really evocative and a lot of fun yeah i want this too yeah 100 percent uh all right next up we've got a game corduba 27 ac all right okay so every now and then we do these lists and something pops uh-huh. up and it's a first time designer from a yeah. company that i don't really know anything about absolutely but but and that's all i got i don't that, I it's, it's a, I mean, it's a Euro game, right? So it right? is. Yeah. At first glance, it looks like it's going to be a war game. It's about ancient Rome. It's about Julius Caesar, yeah. Caesar bringing people together. It's about uh-huh. you know dealing with the civil war at the time. Um, but it is an area control map based type of game. It's a Euro. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know much more beyond that. There, obviously, there's a huge blurb here on Board Game Geek, but I'm not going to bore you all and read it. Uh, <laughs> Um, but it, it, it looks really nice. It's got a, a good design to it. It's got, um, looks like polyominoes going into play to help build out the city. 
in addition to the you know the economy that you're building up. So it's got all the pieces that should make me happy. I just haven't been able to wrap my head around what it's doing. I'll tell you what, though. You know, I think that it does get to a point where you play enough games that you're able to kind of visualize the board and get a sense of this. This is interesting. I, I definitely would sit down and play this for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. If it's not a war game, I'm in. Like, I, I love oh, historical cool. games. Just mm -hmm. I don't want to play a war game. <laughs> That's all. Uh, all right, next up we got Silver Coin Age of Monster Hunters. Guess what this is? <laughs> I don't know. Is it Monster Hunters? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a game with 19 mechanics listed on Board oh, Game yeah. Geek with you no. run around and you, you hunt stuff. Nope, I'm out. I'm out, bro. Yep. <laughs> I'm super out. <laughs> like some like I I just said, sometimes you can look at a board. Or look at a table, and you're like, I'm in. This one, I'm looking at it with like 3,000 pieces on there and like just barely anything on the map. And I'm like, nope, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, yeah. I think this one's on the hotness here because it was a Kickstarter. All the Kickstarter yeah. backers are in here thumbing it up because they're going to be able to come see the game. It's not shipping yet. So I don't think yeah. this is meant for the rest of us. This is for the people who backed it and who are in this kind of game. So good on you. Uh, yeah, I'm sh I mean, it looks interesting from that perspective, but yeah, it's a big solo cooperative competitive miniatures running around killing stuff game. And yeah, there's too many. There's too many. I, it's just, I always have a problem where a game tries to do all of the things. And yeah. maybe in this case with the Kickstarter backer money, they've, they've been able to do all the things, but it's always like a bridge too far, but maybe this is the one time they do it. So more power to you. If you can get it across that bridge. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, 100%. Mm -hmm. All right. Next up, we've got uh, Cascadia, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, so we don't have to rehash all that. It's a buy. It's amazing. Check it out if you can. I don't think it's available right now, but you can find it all sorts of places in the future. Um, it's a Wonderful Kingdom, which takes It's a Wonderful World and kind of reimagines it with like medieval type of stuff instead of like the future type of stuff. Um, sure card drafting game it's one to two players though instead of the mm -hmm. two to four so it's kind of a re-implementation re rethinking of how that works um 1923 cotton club this is from looping games it is about running a club in 1920s new york so like a, the jazz club um it looks really interesting it's like a worker placement style mechanic it's mm -hmm. all card based. It comes in like one of those small looping box games. Um, they've released a whole bunch of stuff recently, but the one I played personally most recently that I really enjoyed was 1987 Channel Tunnel uh, mm -hmm. was from them. And 1911 was also from them. Um, I think Fantasy Realms might even have been them too. Yeah. So they're really hitting a lot of these smaller box games. And this one looks really interesting. It's a different theme. We're talking about jazz clubs in the 20s. Um, it's two to four players instead of the two players of some of their other games. So I'll definitely check this out once it's available for the mm -hmm. rest of us. So. Um, all right. Great Western Trail, second edition. I, it's it's Great Western Trail again. Um, the new stuff's coming next year. So we'll, we'll circle back to that when it's actually new, not just new artwork. Um, Arc Nova. This is from Fjordland Spiel and therefore also Capstone Games here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. It's a game about designing and running a zoo to support conservation projects. So 
There are a handful of games about making zoos. Not as many as you'd expect, but a lot recently. Um, New York Zoo came out last year. And I feel like there was another one that came out not too long ago as well. So um, it seems to have like a kind of a similar like longboard track to it. But um, I don't know. It's one to four players. It's looks like a decently heavy game. Two to three hours. Economic <laughs> Euro game about building a zoo. So those games typically are a little bit smaller and more accessible for families. So this is interesting. It's like like taking like a sim zoo approach to it. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Dune House Secrets. This is from Portal Games. This is the other Dune game, not Imperial. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's a re-implementation of Detective, a modern crime board game, which I nope. love. I, I think game. that game's fantastic. It's a that fantastic game. Yes. That game's good. This is but not then good. Dune. No. It's not good. Don't do that. Don't do that. Dune's a good Dune's an amazing series of books. Some questionable but good movies. And I haven't seen the new one yet, <laughs> so don't hold me to that. I haven't seen the new movie yet. This is weird. This is just weird. Yeah. Stop doing that. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> I just don't even know how it works. Like what mysteries are they solving? It's they're not detectives. <laughs> I'll tell you who did it. It was the worm. Okay. It was the worm. Okay. Every time. I'm spoiling it for you. It's like the butler. Of course it's the worm. I don't know. I don't. Yeah. Because the whole thing with, and maybe it's just they're using like the the app mechanics, but the whole thing with detective is like you go into the app, you take notes, it's (sighs) a whole database of stuff, and then you go online and you find things from the links. It's very, very thematically integrated to the mechanics. I don't know how they re-implemented it for something like dune which is like not a not remotely close to that thematically maybe it works i don't know nobody's there's not like a lot of reviews up here yet but i don't know (laughs) (laughs) oh man i'll stick with imperium i like that it's fine and then you know the expansion's coming soon so hopefully we get some better balanced stuff to the issues we talked about with that game Mm mm-hmm all right moving on uh we've got voidfall they're doing some demos there for people who mm-hmm. want to try, I mean, the Kickstarter is going to be over by the end of this week, I think. So it doesn't really matter just, for backing it, but it's weird that they do that. I mean, honestly, it's weird that they do that. I don't know why, I don't know why the convention, and again, a lot of this is production. A lot of this is distribution. So I'm make I'm, I'm saying silly things, but as somebody who would like to see and or play something before I back a $200 game on Kickstarter, I don't know why they don't do do demos like why don't they have like it's shown at a convention and then you could back it get some buzz get some reviews that's all i'm saying because i i if this game if voidfall is very good i'm going to be kicking myself but i'm not dropping 2 250 on this game i'm just not no no yeah yeah i'm, I'm hedging my bets on it but uh <laughs> like i i'm in there for a little bit just to watch but i i can't go in all in all in on it yet yeah, Turtsy's amazing. Mind Clash is amazing. Ian O'Toole's amazing. So it's like, it's almost like a given. I'm not saying it's not. I just, we've already talked about this. Let's not go back there. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> we go back to our 40 minute conversation last week as we talk ourselves out of this. That's right. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So let's just knock out a couple more here. Um, welcome to the moon. The third spin on the Welcome to 
formula. Oh, no. I like this, like, we're getting a lot of games now of, like, quirky 50s trips to the moon. I uh, guess. What's going on with that? I mean, I, I generally, this is the theme that I like more than the other two, more than, like, suburbia and more than Las Vegas. But I'm just, like, I'm a it's I don't know. I, I, I feel happy for people who have not played the game and could pick their choice of Welcome right. to. Because I would pick Welcome to the Moon. I, I honestly would. Right. I haven't played it yet, but this would probably be my version. I have Welcome to already, but yeah. So, I don't know. This one has a campaign, which is interesting yeah. to me. Um, mm-hmm. So the first game is pretty static. It's pretty straightforward. It's accessible. Yeah. That's the reason it's the most popular one. And you can buy all the other sheets if you want different things. Mm-hmm. The second game took that basic formula and way overcomplicated it to the point where yeah. I, was like, I didn't enjoy playing it because the game was twice as long and it was hard to wrap yeah. your head around all the things you're supposed to do. Wasn't a lot of fun. If if they can find a middle ground between those where it's a little bit more, like maybe <laughs> the complexity you get in Welcome To when you add one of the special sheets. Sure. And the creativity you got in Welcome To Las Vegas. But with a campaign, maybe it works. I don't know. I, I still like Welcome To. It's one of my favorite role or flipping rights, but Vegas yeah. was not a hit for me at all. So mm. I will wait and see on this one. Cool. All right. Uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth. This one's also from Looping Games and uh, designer Alberto Milan, who has worked on a handful of other games recently, um, but they're, they're all kind of hitting simultaneously. So I haven't heard of a lot of them either. Uh, <laughs> Paradox University, Sherlock Among the Graves, Cappadocia. Um, and so this is a, looks like a paper and pencil. I don't see any dice, but flip and write, some kind of write game. So um, you can always tell when it says like one to 50 players that it's, you're writing on a piece of paper <laughs> to figure out what you're doing. That's so, true. I've kind of burned out on these games personally. They got to be really creative for me now. <clears throat> you were never in on them, so nope. I don't know if we're the audience for this at the moment. Ugh. I bought a lot of them. Most of them were great. So no, there weren't. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, let's see here if we got anything else worth looking at. Okay, so oh, one there... more I wanted to. Oops, sorry. good. I was just moving on, so I don't know if you have anything else to... Well, I, I think the biggest game for me that may or may not be coming out, again, this is one of those things where it's it was announced uh, for Essen, is, is a game that's been kind of like talked about a lot. It's Brazil Imperial. Mm. Yeah, yeah, And that's a Euro 4X game based on Brazil's Imperial times. It has a very good balance of historical accuracy, but also real representation of the people and of the times and the artwork here is gorgeous the gameplay here has been like talked about forever like this is if if this is released this is going to probably be the game that i'm going to be sweating throughout the whole year trying to get because it really has so many of the dynamics i love 4x games to have a euro version of this you know i love space but this is even more so you know, and I, and again, I, I think this is a lot of fun. So this would be my Eschenspiel game, my number one that I'd be looking for. Yeah, yeah, I forgot that one was even on the list. It was like on the next page down, but that it's been coming out forever. 
forever yep. this game's been coming out. So I'm not surprised because, again, this game is like, oh, it's coming. This is really cool. And you're like, oh, my God, this is really cool. And then next thing you know, it's just like, it's still coming out, but supposedly <laughs> it's coming out. So, again, I'd recommend taking a look at this here. I think it's 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 a stunning-looking game. Uh, there's, you know, again, it's that Euro X model that they're kind of trying to bring into play here, explore, expand, exploit, and exterminate. Uh, but it's resource management, but it does have the combat, but it does have that kind of Euro mechanism kind of built into the mix. And I, I love that. I love when they they take a tried-and-true theme, but they really try to bring something new to play. And Euro mechanics are great because if you are building up a country, if you're building up an army, like if you've ever played a, a real-time strategy game, it's all about the economy. It's not about the military action. You have to have the economy in order to succeed uh, growing your civilization, so to speak. So, yeah, that would be my my high recommendation there. Yeah, no, I'm definitely with you, man. So I'm glad you live closer now, so we don't both have to buy this. Um, <laughs> We're probably both going to buy it. But anyway. Probably. <laughs> we'll see who can find it first, because who knows when it's coming out here. It's true. Um, there was another one, too, I wanted to mention, was the expansion for Bonfire, Trees and mm-hmm. Creatures. So a Stefan Feld game that came out last year. Bonfire was okay. I gave it a play. Like it was a big box release of stuff for him. He's got a few more now, obviously because of Kickstarter, but this is looks to address some of the issues I have with that game. And then not oh, sure. be crazy expensive. So thumbs up to I that. I honestly don't, I honestly don't know why you care about this game anymore. You're just going to buy it for $300 when he turns it into a city game. Mm, no, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen, man. It's going to, no, gonna be I'm there. out. I didn't, I'm not backing those. I'm out. Yeah. We talked about this last week. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> they broke it. I don't need to collect. I can get rid of the felds. I don't like anymore. Cause I can't oh have God. them all. So, <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. Our Eschenspiel 2021 hotness list. Uh, Join us as we talk more about Eschenspiel as it hits, I guess, everyone's table. The convention gets out there. Please be safe if you are going to the convention. We definitely, absolutely, positively want to see you at the table at the next convention or hopefully maybe this time next year. Anthony and I will be out there as well. You never know. All right, everyone. So until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the table. Take care, everyone. Bye. See ya.